Hi, you're listening to Him We Proclaim. We're in the concluding message of Where in the Church is the Gospel? Running the race of life day after day, especially the Christian life, is absolutely exhausting. And it means we need to receive spiritual rest and nourishment. Where does that come from? John says spiritual nourishment comes from the means of grace, which is preaching, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. When these gifts are present and gospel-centered, they keep on giving to nourish and sustain us. Let's listen now to this message called Three Keys to Spiritual Growth, Part 2. Now, as we learned last week, our faith needs constantly refueling because we said the means of grace, preaching, baptism, the Lord's Supper, they are the three keys to spiritual growth. Think of them as like God's spiritual water aid stations in a marathon, where every time you stop, you get replenished. You get new electrolytes. Your glycogen levels go back up. That's what we saw last week. This is what the gifted ones in the church give to the people each week. God's spiritual water aid stations. And they say, sit down, listen. Faith comes from hearing. Receive, touch, taste, smell, and just drink the sacraments. Visible gospels. And so if we are to run the race of faith... That is, the race of faith is, it is loving God and loving your neighbor. That's what the race of faith is. And if you are to have love in your life, your faith has to be constantly nourished and refueled. Why? Because love comes from faith. And faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. And so you have to hear it. And you have to see it and ingest it and touch it, the sacraments. The fuel for faith is the gospel, just as spiritual, just as a sport drinks are the physical electrolytes and the glycogen replenishing stores for marathon runners. That's what the means of grace are for believers spiritually. And so to run this race of faith with endurance, we have to learn to stop at God's water aid stations and drink the gospel. Drink Drink and drink in God's spiritual glycogen, the gospel. And it is clear from the New Testament scriptures that a commitment to being self-consciously gospel-centered involves an equal commitment to weekly receiving in a church the means of grace that God has instituted for my spiritual growth. Neglect that and you will be stunted. Severely, it will be like hitting the wall in a marathon at the 20-mile marker where your legs cramp up so bad because you have no more glycogen. And it's the same with the spiritual life as Christians. When you go and go and go and are not regularly receiving God's means of grace that he has instituted to refuel and refresh and nourish your spiritual walk, you will hit the wall, spiritually speaking, and your spiritual muscles will cramp up to the point where your Christian life feels painful and awful. Here's question 155 in the Westminster Larger Catechism. It asks, how is the word made effectual to salvation? And listen to the answer. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves. Do you know what you and I need most often to grow spiritually? Just to get out of my own head. 
to be driven out of me to see Christ. And then I'll change. And this is what preaching does. It drives me out of myself and it draws me to Christ. Conforming believers to his image, subduing their will to his, strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, building them up in grace, establishing their hearts in holiness, comforting their faith unto salvation. That's the means of grace. Preaching the gospel does those things. And so the word of God is the primary means of grace in whatever form it comes, but But when we speak of the ministry of the word as a means of grace, according to many passages in the scriptures, there is something unique that happens when the gospel is preached. Turn over to Titus chapter 1 verse 3 with me. In Titus chapter 1 verse 3, Paul's statement is very unusual. Listen to what he says. He says, and at the proper time manifested, this is the God who never lies, at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Preaching is not an option. It is a command. It's a divinely given command to the church. And Paul says here that God... This is unusual because normally Paul speaks of Christ as being the one manifested, the incarnation. That's not what he's saying here. Paul says that God has manifested the hope of eternal life in his word through preaching. Now that is absolutely astonishing. Why? It's startling because it shows you the necessity and greatness of preaching as a means of grace. Paul says in verse 3 that the coming of Christ to fulfill all of God's covenantal promises from the Old Testament is now made known to God's people when the gospel is preached. In other words, by the means of preaching the gospel Jesus is present. That's a powerful statement. The whole Christ event called the gospel that happened in history, life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, all of that continues to be present in the church when it comes through preaching. Paul says the same thing in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, almost the same thing. He tells the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 1, that when he showed up to preach the gospel to the Galatians, listen, he says he did it in such a manner that it was as if they themselves were eyewitnesses of the crucifixion of Christ. Galatians 3, verse 1. And so above all, the preaching, listen, the preaching of the gospel doesn't inform people about Jesus, but it does that. It doesn't tell people about Jesus, but it does that. You know what it first and foremost does? It manifests Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the means of preaching. Titus 1 verse 3. It gives Christ and all of his benefits 
right then. And so the main point to keep in mind is this. God is savingly present where he promises to be present. You don't have to go working it up to get into the presence of God. He comes to you through the means he's sovereignly ordained to meet you. Listen, the means of grace continually reminds us that we don't have to somehow bring Jesus out of heaven. We don't have to bring him up from the grave. The triune God of grace comes down to us through the means that he has instituted, especially the preaching and the gospel. The preaching of the gospel not only tells me about Jesus, it actually delivers him to my soul by the Holy Spirit. And this is amazing. So you say, but God is omnipresent. Why do I have to be in church each week? I can go to the golf course. You always hear that little excuse. You know, go to the golf course and be with Jesus because it's a lot more um, solitude out there. And I just get it back into nature and I can just rest and you know, weary from the week. Well, here's the problem. God is omnipresent, but the question for us is not where is he present in his majesty and his glory, but where is he present in his mercy and grace towards sinners? To be sure, as I said, God is present in a beautiful sunrise. He's present in a beautiful sunset. He's present at the breathtaking grandeur of the Grand Canyon. He's present The question we're asking is this. Where is God, the triune God, present in peace? Where is he present with the assurance that he still accepts me? Where is he present that he still forgives me? Where is he present that he still adopts me as a beloved son as much as he loves his own son? He loves me. Where is he present? Where can I get that assurance for my soul? This comes only through the gospel and it is only confirmed, strengthened, and assured by the proper use of the sacraments, the means of grace. You neglect that, you neglect the spiritual growth of your soul. And so God's means of grace are like God's spiritual water aid stations for weary and depleted runners in the race of faith. As I said last week, there is grace for the race. That's not a trite little expression. It is exactly what God has intended. Grace for the race. And you need it every single week. So I wonder... If baptism is essential in your life to your identity, you're asked the question, who am I? Is your default answer immediately, I am a baptized member of the body of Christ. I am united to Jesus and all of his saving benefits. That's what baptism does. It does more than that, but that's one part of it, one benefit. But I wonder, is baptism central in corporate worship, central in your daily life, in your daily identity, as much as it was in the first century church in the book of Acts. Precisely because the means of grace are God's gifts to us, rather than our pledge or our devotion or commitment to God, we are filled with thanksgiving, and then we have power motivation to respond and obey and do the means of gratitude 
So there are three keys to spiritual growth. Three keys. Preaching of the gospel. Baptism. And the Lord's Supper. It is the ministry of the word and sacraments. And these three means of grace are to the believer's race of faith what water aid stations are to a runner in a marathon. So where do the spiritual disciplines fit into all this stuff when you're pursuing? Well, here's where they fit. Prayer, the chief means of gratitude, Bible reading, Bible memorization, meditation, journaling, service in the church to other fellow believers, service to your wife, service to your husband, service to your children, service in the nursery, whatever it is, they're simply, they simply become the means of gratitude. That is the appropriate response that you give with your life to the grace you have received. That's it. And so as we learned last week, what happens too often in sanctification, spiritual growth, the means of grace, where Jesus and all of his benefits are given to me by the Holy Spirit, are substituted with the means of gratitude. And so all I do is run. And I just keep running. And what happens is God's water aid stations, the means of grace, become like a temporary CrossFit session. Everybody's in the CrossFit, so here's how it works. You're running a marathon, and you come up to God's water aid station, and instead of receiving water and spiritual sport drinks with electrolytes to replenish your lost, depleted glycogen levels so you don't cramp up, the people at the water aid station say, okay, 10 minutes to CrossFit, here we go. I mean, can you just imagine the absurdity of that? Here, this poor runner has been running 20 miles, and they say, 10 minutes, CrossFit, let's hit it. And then after you've done 10 minutes of CrossFit, keep running. Good luck. I don't think you're going to cross the finish line. And what happens spiritually is God's water aid stations, the means of grace, become like that CrossFit session. And you come to church week after week after week, and what you hear is this. Baptism, commit. Lord's Supper, recommit. Preaching, let me tell you how to keep your commitment. And there's never any grace. There's never any Jesus. There's never nothing of spiritual sustenance to refresh and refuel your spiritually depleted soul so you can keep running. And so you just come to church week after week after week and you're doing CrossFit sessions and you never ever learn to just sit and receive so you can grow and keep running your race during the week. There has to be grace for the race. And if you don't stop regularly at God's water aid stations to refuel your depleted spiritual glycogen stores, you're going to hit the wall at the 20-mile marker and your spiritual life is going to be one of just pure exhaustion. Here's how I tried to illustrate it for you again this week, too. Preaching, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, the three keys to spiritual growth, the means of grace. They're sort of like the Energizer Bunny. Just keeps on ticking. Well, preaching, baptism, and the Lord's Supper is kind of like the Energizer Bunny, but instead of keep on ticking, you know what they do? They just keep on giving. They just keep on giving God's gifts to you, Jesus, and all of his saving benefits over and over and over and over, and it never stops giving. In John chapter 7, look at verses 37 through 39. Let's just read this as we finish, and this is an illustration to help you see this. 
Listen to what John says, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now here's the point. Too often this passage is read by believers as understanding that the rivers of living water that flow are the rivers that flow out of the believer's heart. And that could not be further from what John is saying here through the words of Jesus. That's not what this verse says. It's not what it says. Let me just quickly give you some context. The context is the Feast of Tabernacles. John tells us that. That is the feast that reenacted the 40-year period of time when the Israelites wandered in the desert wilderness of Sinai. And they didn't have water. Jesus is saying through the words of John's gospel that he is the fulfillment of the rock that gave living water to Israel's camp. So the river that flows, the Holy Spirit, flows not from Israel, the camp of Israel. It flows from Jesus. It flows from his heart. The Holy Spirit proceeds from Jesus. And so drinking is simply in this context a way of speaking about believing, trusting in Christ. John says that when we come to Jesus to drink, that is to trust in him alone for salvation, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit flows out of Jesus' heart like a mighty life-giving river from him to you. Paul says this in Galatians 3.14 when he talks about the gospel of justification by grace through faith received. He says that when you believe this gospel, you receive in Christ the blessing of Abraham. And he says the blessing is so that you might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Through the preaching of the gospel, which is the chief means of grace, you don't just hear about Jesus, you get him. And when you get him, you get the river of living water, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus, he says in John 7, will pour the Holy Spirit from his heart to you and bring you life. And John says this was taught from the Old Testament. And you're like, well, where in the world was this ever taught in the Old Testament? Glad you asked. Here's one more passage. Look at Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 9. Ezekiel saw the glory of God leave the temple in judgment, Ezekiel 10. And then at the end of the book, he has a great vision of hope where he sees a new temple that is far more magnificent than the first. And he sees God entering this temple. And then he sees from this temple, this magnificent temple, a river flowing out from it. And everywhere it flows, it brings life to everything. So listen to Ezekiel 47, beginning verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. 
The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. So this water is increasing. It's getting increasingly deeper. And again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. And again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. Life was beginning to sprout up on both sides of the riverbank because the river was flowing. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh because nothing can live in salt water. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live and there will be very many fish For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. And Jesus stands up and says, I am the temple that Ezekiel saw. And the river that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit that I pour out when people come to drink from me to get life. And wherever this river goes, living things come to life and flourish. This, Jesus says, he is the true tabernacle and temple. And the river is the Holy Spirit. And how do you get it? By drinking at the fountain of Jesus over and over and over. And when you drink from his means of grace, Oh, it's a wonderful day. Why? Because you're receiving the river of life, the Holy Spirit. And so the word and sacrament are essential both in the commencement of salvation and in the believer's ongoing growth in sanctification. This is why we have to receive God's appointed means. And so this morning, just a quick question. Are you thirsty for running your race? Jesus says, stop a while and take a drink. I'll quench your thirst. Are you hungry from running your race? Jesus says, come and eat. I am the bread of life. Jesus says, are you weary from running your race? Well, then come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus is your spiritual water aid station. And he gives you the Holy Spirit. Every time you drink from him, every time you come to receive from him, his means of grace sustain, nourish, and refuel your faith. They give you the rest and refueling you need in this race. So if you're wearied by a tough week at home, if you're wearied by an exhausting week at work, 
If you're just spiritually depleted when you come into church and you go, man, I'm not even ready to even worship today. That's a good place to be because church is where you need to be. You know why? Even though you know in your heart, man, I am just completely depleted. You know what you know in the back of your mind? Sunday's coming. I'm going to God's water aid station. And the king is going to sit me down and pour out his gifts to me once again and assure my heart. I do love you and you're under my favor and all your sin is forgiven. Go run the race. I'm with you all the way. You've got to hear that week after week after week. And just as Jesus was the rock who created a water oasis for the people in Israel who were wandering in the wilderness, he is your feast and your wilderness where you just come and sit and receive his means that he's instituted and he'll create a river of living water flowing to you through his appointed means of grace. Thanks, John. That's a message called Three Keys to Spiritual Growth, Part 2. More from John Fonville coming up next time. The heart of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. With each message, our prayer is you would hear, believe, and enjoy the gospel in your life. If you want to re-listen to or share any of these messages, you can find our smartphone app or locate our podcast by searching for Dr. John Fonville or Him We Proclaim. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to learn more about his local church in Jacksonville, Florida, you can visit ParamountChurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.